Welcome listeners, I am your host, a cinematic witness, wishing you and your family a happy holiday from the story monster. The winter solstice symbolizes death and renewal. This season is filled with tales of pagan worship, Christmas witches, and a fat magical man who commits home invasions. Most importantly, it's about being around the ones you love. What happens when you're abandoned by your family? The answer is rather simple. You find a new one. This tale of despair is written and narrated by yours truly. It's about a young man who learns what happens when God ignored his children. Our seed did not grow. We prayed. Our God did not see. We cried. Our love did not last. We hurt. And then the butcher came. Terry heard the story every night as a child. His mother, Linda, told him it was their history. She was an eccentric woman that spoke in riddles and puns. He never could get an honest answer out of her, especially when it came to his father. Whenever Terry asked a question about him, she would become visibly upset. She'd clean nearby items or prostrate herself in front of a cross. This continued from the time he was nine years old until he turned 24. The hospice where he frequented smelled of public transit and rubbing alcohol. If Terry didn't suffer from his own ailments, he would take care of Linda. However, early onset dementia was not something he was equipped to handle. On his final visit there, Linda looked at Terry with the face of a child on Christmas morning. Her eyes glistened with hope and recognition. Ethan, is that you? Terry frowned in confusion. My name is Terry. Mom, who is Ethan? He choked back tears, anticipation creased on his brow. We had so much fun. Remember the summer of 27? Said Linda. Terry took advantage of the moment and folded her hand in his. Yes, I do remember. How could I forget with the, uh, trees, those giant trees with all the branches. At night, the wind would blow and the leaves whispered secrets to us. Mm Mm-hmm, they sure did. What was the name of that place? Linda stared off into the ceiling in search of an answer. Her grip tightened. Terry tried to pull away, but she was too strong. Stop! You're you're hurting me! Let go! Terry dropped his cane and fell to one knee, seething in pain. I'm sorry, Mom. Please! Linda convulsed. Spit flew from her mouth as she spoke in a guttural voice that was not her own. When the moon burned bright, we shed. When the men brought war, we fed. Taking from our home and land, and then the butcher came. Terry pressed the button that hung from the bedside table with his free hand. Orderlies rushed in, wearing navy blue scrubs. They subdued Linda as she kicked and screamed. That was two months ago. Her funeral was small, members from Bible study, a neighbor, and an old couple that Terry never saw before. He caught them staring whenever he looked away. One of them, a tall, dark-skinned man with the face of a Doberman Pinscher, 
In the other, a short brown woman with pronounced cheekbones. What the fuck are they looking at? Must think I'm someone else. After the service ended, the old couple made their way over to him with warm, enthusiastic smiles. Their teeth were super clean and straight. Terry squirmed in discomfort. Wow, you look just like him. Excuse me? Forgive my husband. He has no manners. Our deepest comfort for your loss. We never did get along, but she was still family. I'm sorry, who are you? Terry struggled to its feet from the stiff church pew. My name is James. This is my wife, Patrice. We're your grandparents. <laughs> there must be a mistake. My grandparents are dead, said Terry. James chuckled nervously. <laughs> Not quite. As you can see, we're very much alive, said James. Relief washed over Terry. This was the moment he'd been waiting for his whole life. He felt guilty because of the poor timing. Terry's jaw shattered as it often did in moments of extreme stress. Another symptom of his declining health. The old couple pretended not to notice. Listen, we understand this isn't the best time. So here's our number. Whenever you're ready, give us a call and we'll answer any questions, said Patrice. She took a small white card out of her purse and placed it in Terry's jacket. He nodded in approval, unable to produce words. A week or two passed before Terry reached out. He questioned the timing of their arrival and if they really were his relatives. Other than his mom, there was no one else to turn to for guidance or answers. Terry did not care for religion and did not have any friends. He copied the numbers off the small white card onto his phone screen and dialed. The phone only rang once. They were eager to speak with Terry and talk about their son, Ethan. He too suffered from an illness that left him bedridden. They vaguely recounted a disagreement his mother and father had which led to their split. The conversations between them went on for months. His father, Ethan, could never appear on call for various reasons. So, when his grandparents asked if he wanted to meet his father in person, Terry obliged. He booked a ride to the address they provided. His driver, Hamal, was a burly man that drove a metallic green car. Upon arrival, he waved out of his window. Hey man, thanks for booking me. Let me get that door for you. I never been to Wanda Grove, but I hear it's beautiful. Got folks out there? Sheesh, must be loaded. Terry failed to find a break in his speech and turned his attention to the passing scenery of beige uniform buildings. The community where he grew up whizzed past like a flip book. He recalled running the streets as a child, playing tag and football with his friends. In high school, his body gradually turned on him. I wish I could live in the woods, but there are too many bugs and not enough places to party. Am I right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love dancing and the ladies love me. <laughs> Hamal realized the insensitivity of his comment and glanced at Terry through the rearview mirror. Sorry, man. I, I, I meant nothing by it. I hope this doesn't ruin my rating. For the first time since his mother passed, Terry smiled. Nah, man, I, I, I know what you mean. The ladies can't keep their hands off me. Good thing I've got this cane to keep them away. Hamal let out an obnoxious laugh that made Terry giggle. Hamal shared his nightclub exploits for the remainder of the trip. A blue single-family home stood on a hill surrounded by pine trees. Sunlight cast elegant patterns on the grass. A welcome sight from the bustle of the city. 
Terry's grandparents met him at the driveway with goofy grins that revealed stained, jagged teeth. Damn, what happened to their teeth? Probably wore veneers at the funeral. Terry straightened himself and extended a handshake to James, who pulled him in for a nuggie. Terry winced. Both his grandparents and the driver exchanged worried looks. Sorry, guess I'm a little tender-headed. This alarmed Terry, and he wore the awkward exchange on his face before the driver called out. What a nice house. Do you ever rent it out? James ignored the question and turned to Terry. He give you a hard time? Terry shook his head solemnly. James strolled over to the car and handed him all a hundred dollars. Thanks for delivering him in one piece. Just doing my job, sir. Sure you don't want to rent? You guys can make a lot of money. No, this land has been in our family for generations. There are a few cabins on the outskirts, though. Really? I didn't see any. I'll show you on the way out, said James as he got in the passenger side of Hamal's car. Okay, that's not weird at all. Terry looked behind him. Patrice was halfway up the winding path with his bag. Please, I don't need you to do that. I'm quite capable, thanks, said Terry as he stumbled to catch up with the spry woman. She looked to be in her 60s or 70s. The walk seemed to take forever. Terry took in the silence. Not a single buzz from a bug or squawk from a bird. Not even the river, which was a few miles out. Do you find it a little lonesome living out here? Considering... Considering what? That we're a little long in the tooth? I assure you we're quite all right, said Patrice as she stopped mid-stride to lock eyes with Terry. And we are never alone. Oh, no, I I didn't mean to imply you were helpless. I was referring to Ethan. Patrice kept along the path without responding to his statement. They were soon joined by James. After a few hours and one too many cups of whiskey, the three caught up on lost time. Terry observed the long wooden table, weathered with scratches and dents. He pondered what could cause so much damage. Patrice met his gaze. I've been telling your grandfather to keep his work outside of the house. Had to hide all his tools until he gave me his word. Hush, Patrice. A man likes to play with his toys. Yes, but not if it ruins my dining room table. Whatever happened to what's yours is mine and what's mine's is yours. See, that's where you're wrong, dear. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. Laughter erupted from the cozy home and spread amongst the towering trees that swayed in the evening sky. Wind rattled the large, twisted branches that loomed around the property like menacing fingers. So, um... Where is Ethan? I'd like to meet him, said Terry while taking a swig from his cup. Patrice shot James a suspicious look. James dropped his head and let out a loud sigh before leaning over to place a hand on Terry's shoulder. I'm afraid that won't be possible. Why isn't he here? You told me he lived with the two of you. He is here, technically, said Patrice. First, you told me he was ill and couldn't speak. Then you told me he had a doctor's appointment. I come all the way out here, and now you're telling me he's not here? He's dead. Patrice stared nonchalantly at Terry. What the hell are you talking about? Terry, I I know you're upset, but we can explain, said James. No, 
I'm calling a ride and getting out of here. Please, don't go. There's something you need to know. I trusted both of you. Are you even my grandparents? Of course we are, son. Your grandmother and I wouldn't lie about that. Maybe hard for you to believe, but we brought you here to help. Your mother wanted to raise you a certain way, and we respected that. That is why we kept our distance over the years. Your condition, this disease you have, is a curse. One placed on our family when your mother rejected our ways. Okay, I'm out of here. Terry began searching for a driver on his phone. Patrice snatched it out of his hand. James motioned for her to calm down. Terry tried to make it to his feet but fell over. James held him up and placed him in the chair. You never wondered where that story came from? The tale of our savior, Mitch and Jaji? We learn it as children to prepare us for the pact. That fairy tale about the butcher and the cannibals? You lost your mind. It's not a bedtime story. The butcher offers power and immortality. That's just a nursery rhyme. Come on. You guys can't be serious. I knew mom had a few loose screws, but I never thought she'd be part of a cult. Give me back my phone, Patrice. I want to leave. She dropped it on the floor and disappeared into the back room. There's no time. When she gets back, it won't be pretty. And I like to avoid that. Did you just threaten me? Absolutely not. Look at this. James grabbed a framed photo off the wall and pointed to a beautiful woman that was without a doubt a young version of his mom, Linda. She wore a flowy yellow dress instead of the white head scarves and ponchos Terry was accustomed to. Your mother is older than she looks. Your grandmother and I, even older. Look at the date. In the corner of the picture written in familiar handwriting was the date, summer 1927. Terry scoffed and pushed himself backwards in the chair. Photoshop. It's, it's photoshopped. Photo who? Both men turned their attention to Patrice, who was standing in the doorway, sledgehammer in hand. With the speed of a cat, she raced towards James. The first blow produced a sickening thud, followed by a crunch. Crimson splotches painted the wall. Terry watched in shock as his grandmother beat James over the head with a series of strikes. His body slumped over the table. The arms twitched violently. He laid face down, choking on his own blood. Terry fell again, his teeth ground together as Patrice pummeled her husband. Adrenaline coursed through him as he stood and zoomed out the door. His knees ached as he hobbled through the sea of brush and pointed tree limbs with no sense of direction. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I should have never come here. Terry collapsed from exhaustion when the house sat a few miles behind him. Moonlight danced through the umbrella of shady trees as Terry caught a glint in the corner of his peripheral. Light reflected off a vehicle, partially covered in camouflage tarp. He crawled towards it for shelter. Upon closer inspection, he realized it was the same car that dropped him off. A metallic, dark green car. Oh my god, Hamal. Did they kill him too? Was he a part of this? Terry peeled back the tarp to look inside. No sign of Hamal. A ruffle nearby silenced him. He flattened himself to the ground and stared between the tires. The sound of panting echoed as Patrice appeared in the clearing. Her face depraved and monstrous. Blood soaked her flower-patterned dress. 
What the hell is that? The whites of her eyes were pitch black and her irises glowed orange red. I'm sorry you had to see that, but I promise you he's fine. James will recover. He's been through worse. And now a word from our overlord and sponsor, Anchor.fm. Follow the Story Monster on Facebook.com slash The Cinematic Witness and on Instagram at Instagram.com slash The underscore Story Monster and on Twitter.com slash The Story Monster. Do you like what you're hearing? Consider making a contribution with listener support by clicking the link in the description. A dollar can go a long way, but a like and share can go even further. Thanks for listening. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Hoconia shrank into red dots surging the area. Patrice crouched low like a predator. Terry felt the ground for a weapon. His palm came across a large smooth stone. You're close. I can smell you. Taste the perspiration in the air. Don't do anything to upset Grandma. Just come out. In the cover of night, Terry created a sizable distance from Patrice. She circled the car, sniffing where he once hid. A pair of slits appeared on her nose. They pulsed in harmony with her breathing. Under the pressure of his foot, a twig snapped. Patrice faced his direction. Terry yelped. She ran a half circle, cutting him off at the front. Get away from me, you crazy bitch! That's no way to speak to your grandmother. Terry knocked her in the center of the forehead with the stone and took off. She paused in disbelief and let out a deafening roar. When the sound reached Terry, it sent an unpleasant sensation through every nerve. His eyelids grew heavy and the world spun out of existence as two figures stood over him. He awoke to the sound of murmuring voices. His vision was cloudy and the scratches he acquired in the woods stung. When Terry lifted his chin, the room spun a little. The upright position he found himself in made it easier for him to find his bearings. Terry gasped hoarsely through dry, cracked lips. His ankles and wrists were bound in zip ties. It didn't take long for him to realize the situation. You got some nerve. It didn't have to go down this way. Who are you kidding? He didn't believe us. The voices ceased when Terry regained his sight. Patrice appeared before him with a glass of water in hand. He examined it closely. It's all right, dear. You're safe. Drink some water. Terry shook his head in denial and mouthed the word no. Great, now he's lethargic. Don't worry, son. If we wanted to kill you, we would have done it when you were passed out. Terry blinked sporadically as James walked up and took a swallow of the water. There wasn't a single scratch on him. Most notably, his head was 100% intact. The burgundy flannel he had on was replaced by a gray polo shirt. What the hell did they put in that whiskey? James pressed a glass to Terry's mouth. He took the water in and smacked his lips. You did something to me. You, you drugged me. I had to break it to you, kid, but that wasn't an acid trip. You should be dead. I saw her kill you. A am I losing my mind? Why am I tied up? Nasty bit of business there. I I'm sorry you had to witness that, but you must understand. 
Your grandmother and I waited a long time for this. Please, let me go. I'll do whatever you want. The inheritance? Is that is that what this is about? You can have it. Take down my bank information. It's all in my phone. I'll give you the password. Don't be ridiculous. This isn't about money. There used to be more of us, but like your mother, they lost their way. So they were punished with afflictions and robbed of their power. I don't know what you're talking about. Please don't kill me. We're not murderers, dear. Then you're fucking liars. I found Hamal's car. Terry looked at James and Patrice who wore faces of defeat. You're monsters. You killed my dad and now you're going to kill me. We did not, said Patrice as she flashed into his face with those creepy red eyes. James pulled her away and spoke without facing Terry. Your mother killed him when she lost her taste for human flesh. My mother was not a cannibal. She was a good woman, a Christian woman. Patrice spat on the floor and paced. Shadows danced across her face from the candlelit room, the base of each pricket comprised of human teeth. Terry panicked. Beads of sweat formed on the tip of his nose. The sooner you accept the truth, the easier this will be. Tonight the moon is full. The butcher will come. This is our chance at redemption and your chance to live again. Say the words you were taught and join us. Eat with us. And if I don't, then you'll end up like your parents. Mitch and Jaji, or you know him, the butcher is a vengeful god. Tonight he will claim a soul. We don't want that for you, but we cannot lose his favor. Our bodies have already started to age, said Patrice as she spun him around towards the dining room. The wrinkles on her face tripled to reveal centuries of a harsh existence. Terry tensed as his chair lifted with ease. He flinched from the unholy spread before him. The corpse of Hamal laid on the scratch wooden table, dismembered by an assortment of knives and sawing tools. A gaping hole in his torso exposed internal organs, sinewy flesh, and bone. Terry squealed at the disgusting display of carnage. Don't worry, he went fast. Can't say the same about Ethan, though. He suffered greatly. Like you're suffering. When Linda told your father she was pregnant, he refused to hunt with us anymore. We prayed for mercy, and in return, Mitch and Jaji spared your life. Patrice shouted in veneration. Praise Mitch and Jaji. James echoed her sentiment. Ethan was punished. His body turned on him and ate itself. Is, is that what's happening to me? Yes. Eat and everything will be as it was. You can get your life back, play football again, live with your family, said James with a glimmer of hope in his expression. Memories of the football field raced to his mind. The crowd chanted his name. Terry reminisced of bike rides when his locks flowed in the wind, all the things that were taken from him by a curse he did not deserve. You belong with your own kind, with us. Terry took in everything that was being said. The inside of the court squelched and bubbled. Wind whipped against the windows, a deafening silence filled him as a vision of his mother appeared.
She stood smiling with her head wrap, lace dress, and long skirt. Mom? She nodded with a smile and beckoned for him to join her. Like sentinels, Terry's grandparents cut him free and led him to the table. Patrice slid her form into the opening of Hamal's torso and pulled out his heart. She placed it in Terry's hands, who turned it over in his own. James and Patrice placed a hand on each shoulder and bowed their heads. The image of Terry's mother transformed into a fleshy demonic creature that stood seven feet tall. Four tusks extruded from the left side of its jawline, and between long sharp fangs hung a sickle. Terry was transfixed by its glamour. He stared into its eyes, into the heart of a burning sun. Our seed did not grow. We prayed. Our God did not see. We cried. Our love did not last. We hurt. And then the butcher came. When the moon burned bright, we shed. When the men brought war, we fed. Taken from our home and land. And then the butcher came. To gain his favor, pay the toll. Eternal life to claim a soul. Hence the veil of time unfolds. And then the butcher came. I hope you enjoyed that festive story of family and community. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, love, and share to spread the holiday cheer. Next week, I'll be talking with a few friends of mine about our favorite films. This will be followed by my top 10 films of 2022. You don't want to miss that episode. Until next time, there are tales to be told, and I will bear witness. 